Well, hello, and welcome to the e-commerce evolution podcast, where we bring you the best of what's new and what's next in e-commerce. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And our mission with this show is to interview the top merchants, the top marketers, and the experts shaping the e-commerce industry. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by Zipify and their flagship app, Zipify Pages. Zipify Pages is an e-commerce sales funnel and landing page builder that seamlessly integrates into your Shopify store. Just start with one of a growing list of templates and then customize and go. These templates are created by my friend and eight-figure e-commerce store owner, Ezra Firestone. Each template is built with proven conversion elements, but also features a simple drag and drop editor. So you can truly make these pages your own, so you can customize and tweak and test and create some awesome landing pages and sales funnels. So check out all the details, sign up for the beta at zipify.com. Well, hello and welcome to episode eight of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm Brett Curry. Today is a special episode. We are recording on location in San Diego, California. Just wrapped up the Traffic and Conversion Summit put on by Digital Marketer, one of our favorite events. It's an event we've attended now, I think, five straight years. And uh, this year was uh, had a few firsts. It was our first to exhibit as an agency. So OMG Commerce had a booth there. Also, I was one of the speakers on the first day talking about a couple topics that we'll actually get into on the show. So what I thought would be interesting is for us to just give away the highlights. So some highlights from the show, some tips and tricks and tools that you can put to use in your business. And today is a bit of a first because joining me on the show is my business partner, longtime business partner, Mr. Chris Brewer. Chris, how's it going? Fantastic. It is happy to be there. And you know what I detected a little bit in your voice is What's that? four days of talking <laughs> to people at trade show. Yeah, yeah. So I had the, had the presentation on the first day, then talking to people nonstop. So I'm a little bit, I got like that raspy voice. I sound yeah. like a like a singer I, potentially. I, I actually caught some puberty in there, but uh, <laughs> I think you're well past. I was that. trying to go for the cool angle, and not the Peter Brady puberty angle. But that's all right. I'll take I'll take whatever I can get. Yeah, but you know you can't beat San Diego. We've been coming out here for the last three or four years. Prior to that, it was in San Francisco. It's not bad to get out of the Midwest in early March and you know you just don't hear about people raving about events in Milwaukee Wisconsin and this is true I hear it's a cool place but it's not San Diego no palm trees no beaches so yeah I'm glad it's here so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna give you five takeaways from the traffic and conversion summit all that I think will be very useful for every e-commerce store owner so Chris has five I have five we're gonna go through these rapid fire and so Chris, why don't you lead us off? Your special day for you, you're the guest. Why don't you lead us off with your first takeaway? Well, you know, there are so many great presentations at this event, and we had to select before we left which ones we're gonna go to, who's gonna take care of the booth operations, and really, the content was phenomenal, and so I selected a few that I wanted to see, and mine were mainly from the sales side, also traffic side with Facebook. There were a lot of presentations a lot on of stuff on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, Facebook was all over the place. But after hearing many different presentations on Facebook and Facebook traffic, one of the most interesting, and I'm going to apologize in advance to the audience, I remembered the content. I did not remember the speakers. Oh, way to go. Yes. Yeah, so I, I can't like source some of these, yeah. these folks here. 
But one I heard this morning was fascinating, and it was right after Molly, is it Molly? Molly Pittman. Molly Pittman, Molly Pittman. with Digital Marketer spoke, and this guy had had a contest promotion that he did using Facebook and Facebook Messenger. Now, I don't know about you, but I get these annoying Facebook Messenger pings on my phone many times from people I actually like. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. Want, to, want to talk to, but they can be a bit of an interruption. He used this as a tool to engage with his audience of people who had not purchased but it opted into his list, people that had liked his page, and actually was able to build other audiences to send his contest promotion out as an ad initially within Facebook. So you could do your audience targeting as an ad promoting the contest, but then the call to action was built through Facebook Messenger. And the interesting thing about this is he was able to get close to 70% open rate on the message that was sent through Facebook Messenger. Just incredible. He said he did have a learning curve, so if you're gonna attempt something like this, make sure, depending on the size of your audience and list, that you're not pinging people at one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning, just like text messaging. But his main thing was he was able to get leads for as little as 13 cents per lead. People were actually getting started with his contest promotion, but also were engaging with his page. They were adding their name to his list. And it's a little bit hard to show, obviously, the graphics he showed on the screen on a podcast like this. But the little tidbit and takeaway that I had was simply investigating Facebook contest, but not in the traditional way, using Facebook Messenger as your delivery vehicle. Yeah, I, I love that. and. Like we said, Facebook was everywhere, talking about Facebook chat and chat bots, which we'll talk about in a minute, which is one of my takeaways, but uh, really an interesting one, so very cool. Uh, I'm going to go a little more general to, to begin with. Um, Ryan Dice, who gave the opening keynote, did a really good job, I think, of talking about where digital marketing is right now, where the industry is, how we as consultants should think about it, how business owners and e-commerce merchants should think about digital marketing. But he talked about customer value optimization, and uh, I love this definition. I can't remember if it was directly from him or if somebody else said it, but good marketing is the process of transforming strangers into raving fans. And he talked about this this process and how we're all guilty of you know running an ad and hoping that leads to an immediate sale and not really thinking much beyond that, but thinking instead this journey, how do we take someone from stranger to raving fan? And usually we try to skip steps, but taking someone to first have a conversation with us and then get acquainted with our brand and then purchase and then we're following up and building a relationship and hopefully turning them into an ambassador. And he talked about how there's a lot of people fearing that, that uh, automation will eliminate the need for good marketers and good strategy, but that's likely not going to happen anytime soon. And there's still something magical about a human-to-human -human, uh, connection and when you can do that through marketing. So that's my general takeaway. I don't think we need to fear that everything is going to become automated. There's still value in, in us as uh, merchants reaching out and having a human touch with our prospects. And then as you know, agencies like we are, having that, that strategy piece is really, really valuable. So I thought that was kind of cool. 
Yeah, I think piggybacking a little bit on what you said about automation, one of my other takeaways from was from somebody that I actually do remember. This is takeaway number two for you or this three is, overall. Yeah. This is, yeah, exactly. It's Mike Rhodes. And actually, Mike was author of a, a best-selling book on AdWords, The Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords. And he was actually speaking on display. But one of the things that he brought up in his talk on display was about automation, that we don't need to fear automation, that there's some incredible tools. There are AdWords scripts that you can run in your account to automate some of the processes. But one of the things he said really stuck with me that if you are just relying on automation tools alone, I think you're really gonna be leaving something on the table. And and we did that even in our own agency, and I, I won't mention the product because it, it's a great, well-known product, and I'm sure a lot of people have great experiences with it, but we implemented a product in our business that was meant to be uh, help us with some automa automation, but actually it was very disappointing because it, it it the human part of it, our specialists, really felt it was leaving things out mm -hmm. that we really needed in our processes to do better optimizations for our customers and clients. But that when you combine a smart human, which is great, mm -hmm. we have smart humans on our team, they said, hey, this tool isn't doing it for us. But when you combine a smart human with automation, you have something better than automation. And, and that's not just in our line of work of what we do. That can span across different things that you're having in your business with your call centers, with the, your customer service, with your shipping, with other processes that you do, because there's lots of great tools and plugins that we have yep. available, but we've got to make sure we don't take out the human element altogether. Yep, absolutely. Uh, one, so this is takeaway two for me or four overall from Ezra Firestone. This was kind of cool, talking about better retargeting. And uh, one of the things that that uh, uh, he talked about and I heard a few other people talk about was whenever you look to create a similar audience, so this is actually kind of a, a cousin to remarketing. Um, so you've got your remarketing list, you can upload those to Facebook or to Google and use that list to create a similar audience. It's called similar audience in, in Google called a lookalike audience in Facebook. So basically what you're doing is you're telling both platforms, hey, here are our customers. Now go find other people that look just like them, that have similar interests, similar needs, you know, similar online behavior, that type of thing. So what they recommended, what Ezra recommended and a few others recommended is don't just upload people who've converted once because there's some people who just convert once. Maybe they used a coupon. Um, you, you know, just one purchase may not be a real good indication that they're a great client. So upload people that have purchased twice or more, and that's gonna give you a lot better picture of, hey, this is a quality client, now let's build our similar audience or lookalike audience based on people who've purchased twice. So that was kinda of cool. Yeah, and, and the third takeaway that I had was still from Mike Rhodes' presentation on display. And if, if you've run any display campaigns before, it's really easy to kinda of get sucked into some of the easy things that you can do with display, just general display remarketing, for instance, is fairly easy to set up and, and get started. But one of the dangers in that is that you can sometimes just get your graphic artist or the company that you're working with to build you out all this custom set of ads and all the different sizes that are gonna happen within the Google Display Network or whatever you're using. 
And I thought this was just a great suggestion that he builds out display campaigns using only one ad size. And I, I can't remember the exact resolution, but it's basically this square, the square size ad. Yeah, pri private size is like the most common, the one that's run the most. Right, and so he built out all his ad variations using one size and then ran those campaigns and found out which one of those performed the best before developing the additional sizes. And I thought that was like one of those like sitting right under your nose that yeah. those of us that yeah. do are familiar with optimization should know, but it was a great suggestion. Simple but powerful. Because yeah, if you, if you build out all the ad sizes for a particular ad that's unproven, and then you run that against all, you know, another variation of all the sizes. Now you're also looking at multiple variables. Is it the size that made the difference? Is it the message that made the difference? And so getting them, you know, all just one size, like speeds up your testing, <laughs> helps you narrow, you know, zero in on the on the right message. And so I love that tip. Yeah, and probably my three B from that is how if you're familiar with display and how you can go after keyword targeting options, topic targeting options, placements. Lots of great stuff in there, but one thing that I really liked was his tactic of combining keyword searches with topics to laser in mm -hmm. and display right. on the right. right audience. Yep, yep. So someone, yeah, who's, who's typed in a keyword but also looking for a certain topic online, zeroing in on them. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so I'm going to do something a little bit different. Um, I ended up being at the booth a lot. And so I did speak, I attended a couple of sessions, but I was mainly at the booth and in meetings. So I'm gonna share a takeaway from my own presentation. Is Which, that a little bit weird? Is it's not weird, weird okay. because I was actually, that was on my list, I did not get to it yet, but I thought that one of the best presentations that I heard over the whole event was yours. I'm not just saying that because oh, I'm thanks, your business Chris. partner. Thanks. It was funny, it was engaging, and I had people coming up to the booth saying the same thing. And so we really enjoyed it and I had some major takeaways from that, which I think you're probably going to yep, mention. Yep. So, let's so, so one of the things, and this is something we're really excited about, we have started implementing this with a, a few of our uh, bigger clients and, and clients we felt like would be a good fit for this, and we're seeing some great results early. So the first one is Shoppable TrueView. Uh, now, Chris, you and I both love video marketing. We both love TrueView. For those that don't know, TrueView is the YouTube pre-roll video ads. So you go onto YouTube, you're getting ready to watch your favorite cat video, or you're watching a music video or something like that, that's how my kids use it. And you see the ad that pops up before your video, after five seconds, you get the little skip ad button that's on there that's, that sometimes when you see the ad, we all get angry and we wanna, you're waiting for that skip ad button. But occasionally, we get hooked in the first five seconds, we end up watching the video. And what's beautiful about that ad format is you as an advertiser don't pay if someone clicks the skip button. So they have to watch at least 30 seconds or all the video if it's less than 30 seconds or they have to engage in it in some way. So what Shoppable TrueView is, is it's a, it's a combining of YouTube and Google Shopping, two of our favorite channels. I love Google Shopping, love YouTube, uh, TrueView. And so the way this works is you get your TrueView video and then your product listing ads running right there beside the video. So on mobile, the product listing ads are right under the video. On desktop, they're just to the right of it. And you get a couple options. You can select the products that you have on there or you can let Google select for you. Usually it's better to pick yourself. 
but we're seeing phenomenal results. So the way we're using that now is primarily as a remarketing vehicle. So we're looking at people that have visited product detail pages or visited the cart and did not check out. And now we're running a video to get them re-engaged. Maybe that video is reminding them of our unique selling proposition and why our products are, are better. So we're doing some stuff for skincare. You know, so we got the spokesperson on there. Here's why the ingredients are better. And oh, here's the product listing ad for you to go back in and purchase. And we're seeing tremendous results. We've got some clients that have pretty strict CPA targets and we've been able to come in under those CPA targets for shoppable TrueView. So that's my takeaway three and that's number six overall. So back to you, Chris. Yeah, I think one of the things that we can't encourage some of our e-commerce clients enough is to get some solid video content. Mm -hmm. It sometimes is an afterthought or not even something that they address, but they're leaving a lot on the table if they don't put together a comprehensive video strategy for their product line and their store overall, building your brand, tremendous things that can happen there. My fourth takeaway I had was actually the guy that was talking about how to really multiply and grow our kind of, of business. But I think it has applications to e-commerce store owners as well because we're all hiring people or working with freelancers potentially, uh, vendor relationships, things like that. And so one of the things that he mentioned was the way that he actually vets out people that need to be looking at the details. Mm, and, yeah, I love this, love this. Yeah, and, and so whoever you, you may need in your business, whether it's you're looking for someone in accounting or, or bookkeeping to keep things up, that the, you may be the visionary leader in your company. You had the idea, the dream for your business, but you now are in a position where you need someone to cover some of those details. What he does is he actually has people uh, complete some of the tasks in advance. So he gives them mm -hmm. an actual task to complete so that he can see their work. Because a lot of people, we, we've done this in our own business, people that have interviewed great yes, and we really like them, yep. but when they came on board, it, it just maybe wasn't the fit that we thought in yeah. terms of getting the job we done. Were, we were duped, we were fooled. You know, we were fooled that the, we, uh, you know, they had a good personality, they interviewed so well, and then they, Drop the ball, weren't a great fit. Yeah, and so what he does is, and, and secondly, after doing the task and able to kind of see, do they really know what they're talking about? He actually requested them to record a seven minute video hmm. and also tell him what their favorite food is. Kind of bizarre, right? Yeah. Seven minute yeah. video. And in this case, he was vetting out people to run Facebook ads campaigns. So he wanted to sh them to show him in the seven minute video a client that they had had success with. Mm -hmm. And what he said is the people that sent him eight minute videos, he didn't even look at them. Yep. They were yep. done because they couldn't, follow in, seven. Yeah. And they couldn't follow instructions. And he said people that left him seven minute videos but didn't answer the favorite food question, maybe he watched it, maybe he didn't. Mm. But he was looking for the people that did exactly what he requested, the right length video, and they answered the detailed question. Also, he'd send them a couple of Facebook ads that had obvious misspellings in them and see if they caught the two misspellings. One was obvious, one was a little more subtle. And I thought that was just brilliant. And in terms of building the processes out for hiring and the other things in your business, he recommended a book, which I'll mention here, which is Checklist Manifesto. 
And so I wrote that down and that may be one. If you're building out processes and hiring methods and different things in your business, that might be a good book to check out. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal advice. Phenomenal advice. And, you know, we're growing, building our team. I know a lot of people listening are doing the same. And, you know, bad hires are so expensive. You, you got to get it right. So, okay, my tip number four, and this is eight overall, is chat bots in uh, Facebook Messenger. This was another one that, that Ezra Firestone talked about. Also, Roland Frazier from Digital Marketer had a couple sessions involving Facebook Messenger chatbots. And you know, this is something that, that if, if you pay attention to, to e-commerce, you know, chat commerce is huge in Asia, you know, China especially. Most commerce is conducted via chat. Sending money to you know friend to friend, purchasing things, requesting things is all done via chat. And that trend is going to take off more and more in the U.S., probably not to the same extent that it is in Asia, but it's still going to grow here. So one of the things that, that Ezra talked about was using Facebook Messenger chat for retargeting. So someone visits your cart, they do not buy. Uh, if they're in a, on a retargeting list in Facebook, you can actually send them a request to chat through Facebook Messenger. And so uh, we won't go into a ton of detail here because this is relatively new to us and we're not experts in this, but it was fascinating. So you can engage with someone, you can program your bot to answer certain questions, to uh, tell the story of your brand, to you know, eventually there'll, there'll be the ability to answer questions about orders that someone has, you know, status on shipping and things like that. Um, so anyway, th this is a, a really a quick takeaway, and you may have a little bit to add to this, Chris, but really just knowing that Facebook chatbots are here now, and it's just going to increase, and it's pretty exciting opportunities that are there. Yeah, because many of our, of our podcast listeners and subscribers, you're already using some kind of live chat on your site, but many times the people that just go straight through to your cart potentially they get to a certain point whether they we lose them going off looking for coupon codes or for whatever reason we may lose them in the cart they've already bypassed many times that opportunity that we would have taken maybe on your live chat to engage mm -hmm. with you this is a, a way to get them back that way and that's what i thought was fantastic and then you know my fifth takeaway brett was simply going to be from your presentation mm -hmm. and i'll just say in general it was when you were talking about google shopping and your seven winners and and losers there mm -hmm. uh, or one of your your seven mistakes to avoid in google shopping was of overlooking your winners and losers. Yeah. I can't remember the specifics of how you laid that out, but why don't you speak a little bit to that as a tip from Google Shopping? Yeah, sure. So, it, you know, with Google Shopping, you're running, you know, your product listing ads, so that's image of the product, title, price. And what we see happening a lot is, you know, especially merchants that have a lot of SKUs, you know, 1,000 or more, 10,000 or more, and we have, we have a couple merchants that are in the hundreds of thousands of SKUs, a lot of times those products get lumped into a large product group or maybe you've got several hundred or several thousand products all in one product group all with the same bid and what often happens in that case is if you don't have visibility into what products are working and what products are not you may look at a product group and say well as a whole this product group's doing okay but if you were to peek inside of that product group and kind of pull back the curtain you'd see that there are some winners in there and there's some losers in there and so we like to typically bid at a SKU level. So we like to drill down and have a unique bid 
per product at the SKU level. Occasionally, that's not the best way to do it, but usually it is. But uh, always we want to at least report on a SKU level where we can look in and say, okay, which products are performing well, which products are underperforming, so we can make adjustments. We can pull out the losers, we can bid down on the losers, feed more of the impressions, more of the budget to the winners by bidding more. And so it's really critical that you can get that visibility and see you know, what are the winners, what are the losers uh, with, your, with your product feed. So, so that was your tip number five. That was right. it. My tip number five, back to Facebook. So using Facebook and email. And I know this particular technique, so my friend Austin Bronner talks about this and Drew Sanaki, uh, brilliant marketers. They, they both work a lot with email marketing and uh, customer lifecycle marketing and things like that. But the ability to, to integrate people's behavior with your emails and then use that to create Facebook ads. So uh, one of the platforms that I know they recommend and Ezra recommends it too and a few others is uh, Klaviyo. Great email marketing platform. You know, you and I are not email marketers, but uh, we certainly respect it and love it. You might spell that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good idea. So I think it's uh, K-L-A-V-I-Y-O, Klaviyo. They uh, made it their goal to uh, come up with the hardest to spell name possible. But basically what you can do with, with a Klaviyo integration, there may be others that, that do the same thing, is you can take your email list and based on your segmentation with your email list and the emails that people have responded to, the messages that they've responded to, you can upload all that data into Facebook and create ads based on that. So you know, hey, we know this list, they've responded to our high heel email list. So let's put them in this Facebook group and we're gonna run now. The, the, the new ad that's showing our new red high heels, right? Or this list was all about tops, all about um, you know blouses, sweaters, whatever. And so we're gonna run ads uh, to those people based on their email behavior. So again, this is, this is one of those things where we've got all these tools that let us understand who our customers are and what they want and what they're interested in, but we gotta leverage it. So taking the email data, using that to influence Facebook marketing, I think is brilliant. So that's my tip number five. Takeaway number five, back to you. That's all I got. I gave my five. I'm good. I'm excited about what we learned here in San Diego. And hopefully the audience today got a few good tips that they can go out there and implement. And we got to get to dinner. Absolutely. We do have to get to dinner. We've got clients ready to meet us. We got to do that. Uh, and so, hey, as always, uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what you'd like to see more of, less of. Also, leave us a review in iTunes. We'd love to have that. And with that, see you next time. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on 
resources, and guides, and pick the guide that's right for you. And now, back to the show. 